0: The world needs your voice, shine your bright light, live joy and share joy. Joy seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor, and I'm your host for Live Joy, Share Joy. Friends, today we are going to talk about medicine. What makes someone decide to get involved in the medical field? And what is it like to be involved in medicine? And how does being involved in the medical field tie into living a life of service for Jesus Christ? I cannot think of a better person to come and talk about this topic than my dad, Dr. Bill McGregor. Dad, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're here. Not just because I get to see you, of course, but we can talk about a topic that's near and dear to your heart, which is the medical field. And so I know for you, this is really important too. Of course. So dad, let's talk about... When did you start to know that medicine was something of interest to you, that this was something that you wanted to do for your life?
1: At a very young age. I come from a family of medicine. There are six doctors McGregor over three generations in our family. All six are graduates of the University of Iowa College of Medicine in Iowa City. Uh, I'm number five in the sequence. Uh, The sixth, my cousin, John Michael McGregor. Is an associate professor of neurosurgery at Ohio State University in Columbus. My grandfather, uh, my granduncle, my uncle, my father, were I thought they were wonderful, wonderful men. They worked all hours of the day and night to take care of the sick. This was uh, long enough ago that there weren't a lot of house doctors and emergency room doctors, and there wasn't such a thing in Great Falls, Montana, where I grew up. All the doctors lived close to the hospital so they could quickly get to the hospital to care for the patients. I can remember frequently the thump, thump, thump of Dad's feet on the floor in the kitchen as uh, as he was rushing to the emergency room or to the delivery unit because Dad delivered thousands of babies. I don't think there was ever any doubt in my mind. I actually made my first stab at the practice of medicine when I was 8 or eight and a half years old. I was a Cub Scout at the time. I had a little pump bicycle device. I hooked a wagon up behind it, uh, put in a bunch of first aid supplies in the wagon, and I started pedaling around the neighborhood, wondering if I would find a patient. As fate would have it, some poor little girl fell and skinned her knee. I rushed up and told her I could fix it, that I could help her. Unfortunately, she fired me. She preferred her mother. (laughs) But if nothing else, I... Learned very early on that that was really what I wanted to do with my life in medicine. Early in uh, upper levels of grade school and high school, I transiently thought that what is the best profession in the world, or at least in America? And there were only two competitors in my mind. First was obviously medicine. The second was uh, men of the cloth—rabbis, uh, priests, uh, pastors. But medicine won in my case, and I've never, never, never regretted the decision.
0: So, first of all, I love this vision. Uh, this is the first story, but the time I've heard the story about you with the bicycle. But it's also a little bit of your entrepreneurial spirit because you are a doctor, but you also have a lot of entrepreneurial spirit in you, and that's something that I've always respected as as your daughter. So, you knew obviously going through school that. You wanted to go into medicine. Talk to us a little bit about the journey of becoming a physician and how you actually chose the type of physician and, and practice that you did.
1: Well, my age has to be mentioned. I'm 82 years old. Again, there was absolutely no question through grade school and high school that I would go on to medicine. Uh, my choice for university education was the University of Minnesota Uh, While I majored in zoology and minored in chemistry, in fact, I was satisfying all the pre-medical requirements. I finished my undergraduate degree in three years, entered the University of Iowa in 1961. Now, I will make an interesting observation. At that time, medical schools were still teaching in pretty much the same mode that my father and my uncle, who was also my godfather, uh, were trained. This was before all the beautiful modern technology that we have nowadays. So i learned kind of old-fashioned family medicine in medical school. And uh, it served me well because it it makes you more versatile than some of the super subspecialists that you see today. It isn't that the super subspecialists aren't needed, but uh, it it all has to do with the way uh, we were taught in that era even the demeanor of the professors and the stresses we're placed under much, much different than they are now in medical school. The explosion of technology and diagnostic equipment, the explosion of available drugs, the availability of complex surgical procedures and techniques for doing it uh, represents a generational change in the practice of medicine, all for the better.
0: Mm -hmm. So, you basically, as you are going through and you're learning and receiving this training, at some point you had a choice of what type of a physician you wanted to be. And at some point it became general and vascular surgery. What what type of process did you go through to make that part of the decision?
1: Well, first of all, I have so much admiration for my father and my uncle and their father, uh, my grandfather. And they were so highly respected in the community as family physicians. And Dad's emphasis was on obstetrics and gynecology. So in the mid-part of medical school, I was still leaning toward obstetrics and gynecology. uh, But there became a voluntary opportunity for me as a senior in medical school to take a tour uh, in anesthesiology. I took the tour. This had me in the operating room and it taught me about basic anesthesiology, but I couldn't help but see that I really belonged as a surgeon and not the anesthesiologist. I never regretted that. Um, I'm a go-get-it type of guy. I was interested in trauma right from the beginning. Interestingly enough, uh, as a young medical officer in the public health service uh, following my internship, uh, one of my fellow Iowa graduates and I were employed by the Alexandria Physician Group in Alexandria, Virginia. This was a prototype beginning emergency room physician program in the entire United States, led by Dr. Jim Mills. Dr. Mills went on to set up the boards for that specialty and uh, the examinations and the format for teaching. The interest in emergency medicine, dealing with big problems as I presented, trauma, major vascular problems, Catastrophes in the abdomen, really serious problems, just incited my spirit and a desire to learn how to take care of these kinds of things. I never regretted it. Uh, After my tour of duty in the public health service, which in and of itself is a very interesting conversation, but beyond our talk today, um, went into surgical training at the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, uh, perfectly suited for what I wanted to learn. And at uh, the completion of that residency, I was invited to stay at the medical school, uh, initially for a year, and then invited to stay for a career. I chose not to. I chose to go home to Great Falls, Montana, where I'd been born and raised, because and that's where I wanted to practice. Uh, in, in a Christian sense, Great Falls had two hospitals. Traditionally dating way back to the end of the 19th century and into the 20th century. Roman Catholic Columbus Hospital, run by the Sisters of Charity of Providence, and the Montana Deaconess Hospital, which is Wesleyan and Methodist. Both were excellent hospitals, and uh, as I moved further in my career, I worked at both hospitals, uh, took care of patients in both hospitals, both in a very Christian environment. Uh, I realized early on that the physician is a part of the team that takes care of the patient. It's not just the physician as a decision-maker and caregiver. It's the spiritual support of the nuns and the deaconess women. Uh, Of course, it's uh, the pastors and the priests. Uh, We, at the time, didn't have any rabbis in Great Falls because of a very, very small Jewish population. I became very active in the College of Surgeons. In the College of Surgeons, we give back. That's part of our... Uh, doing things, and I chose trauma. I became a part of trauma education and and trauma practice. Uh, I taught the advanced trauma life support course almost 100 times, closer to 90 times, uh, both as an instructor and as a course director, teaching basic trauma to family physicians and, and physicians who aren't fully trained in surgery. And it's a refresher course for the surgeons who are already in the practice of surgery. I guess I have a knack for it, and, and it's so rewarding to see some of these horribly ill patients recover. And it just warms your heart. Now, it's, there's not such a thing without medical practice, without some difficult days, and some days where you're stressed pretty hard. I, I remember frequently, as I went to sleep at night, whispering, jesus said i give joy and peace and not of affliction i think of joy and peace and not of affliction i often found myself falling asleep with those little thoughts in my mind we had chapels at the hospitals we could visit the chapel anytime we wished and we did that
0: well one of the things that dad as you're talking and i love that you brought up that it really was a team of people caring for the sick And one of the things you and I had talked about before uh, going live with the program is that having a chapel to go to, having people there to support was so important because healing is not just physical. There's spiritual healing. There's emotional healing. And having that team of people really made a huge difference for your patients.
1: It makes a huge difference. And I'm going to expand on that just a bit. Montana as a state has seven Native American reservations. Uh, this is very relevant to the way medicine is practiced in that area because there are so many Native American patients. Uh, I served the Blackfeet community and uh, the, some of the Sioux people for my career. But the point I'm really leading to is the fact that not only did we have basic Christian things that we lived with, but some of the traditional Native American healing things are not only important to those people, But we realized that we needed to provide that for our people. Uh, The Deaconess Hospital and the Columbus Hospital merged in uh, 1996. One of the things that we have done is develop a Native American program at our hospital. We have a welcoming center for them. We provide food for those that are in need of food. Uh, We have Native American people on the staff of our hospital They visit the Native American patients in their rooms. Not only do they offer prayer, but we offer smudging, which is very important to the Native populations. And we arrange for snubbing even in patient rooms. We actually turn off the smoke detector while we're smudging in patient rooms. Uh, I found this to be very, very important. My relationship with the Native American folks is a huge part of my life I am actually an honorary chief in the Blackfeet Tribe in Montana Chief Sun Buffalo
0: we're going to take a brief pause Chief Sun Buffalo my dad we're speaking with my dad Dr. Bill McGregor we're talking about medicine we're talking about serving people through medicine and how medical individuals become the eyes the ears the heart of Jesus Christ friends we'll be back we're going to take a brief pause to thank our sponsors this is Deb McGregor live joy share joy
2: when it comes to planning for your future, you want an advisor who understands your Christian values. Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson offer financial planning based on biblical principles. They can help you plan for your goals in a way that is consistent with your faith. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson today. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 1st Street East in Park Rapids. Ameriprise Financial offers financial services Without regard to religious affiliation or cultural background, investment advisory products and services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Realtors Noemi and Harry Aylesworth are happy to share they are now affiliated with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate First Choice, serving all of your real estate needs in Bemidji, Bagley, Black Duck, Cass Lake, and surrounding communities. They are dedicated to finding you the home you deserve. Whether you're selling or buying property, they will serve you with honesty and integrity. You can expect a better real estate experience. Life takes you many places. Let Team Aylesworth, Noemi, and Harry of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate First Choice
0: take you home. This is Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy and Live Joy, Share Joy. I like to be infused with joy all the time. Every Monday through Friday, I do an Infusion of Joy video on Facebook and Instagram. I cover a topic related to joy and provide insights, perspectives, and distinctions, as well as offer an opportunity for you to continue digging even deeper into your own joy. Make sure you're following me on the Life Full of Joy Facebook page and on Instagram at Live Joy, Share Joy. Nourishing Ways by Kelly Joe, personalized nutrition coaching designed to help women ditch dieting for good and cultivate confidence in themselves so they can nourish their bodies with the food they love without the stress and guilt. Hi, I'm Kelly Joe. I have over 20 years working as a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor. Let me help you live the joy-filled life you crave. Contact me today on Facebook at Nourishing Ways, that's W-E-I-G-H-S, or call me today at 218-368-4911. This is Deb McGregor, Live, Joy, Share, Joy. We are speaking with my dad, Dr. Bill McGregor. We're talking about medicine. We're talking about topics related to medicine. And as we went into the break, we were talking about specifically a lot of the ministry within the Native American populations and uh, dad being an honorary chief, chief son Buffalo. Dad, one of the things I always wondered growing up and I think people will be curious about is... How do you make decisions when you're in the operating room? How do you make, a, some, I'm going to call it a judgment about things, how do you make those choices and work with your patients and sometimes life-or-death decisions?
1: It's certainly true that there are times when life and death decisions need to be made and made very quickly. Uh, surgeons are trained for this. This is all part of the core training of, of surgeons who practice uh, Those subspecialties in medicine which call upon the care of very, very sick patients, badly injured patients, Um, often lightning decisions need to be made in the operating room. Uh, The surgical professions are taught how to deal with these things and and, and, and how to react to them. Uh, It takes a certain personality, I guess, but I see it in myself and I see it in almost all of my fellow surgeons. I wanted to lend a thought or two on the whole concept of judgment. I'm certain our audience can understand that a physician, when interviewing a patient and caring for a patient, has to make certain judgments about the degree of accuracy the patient's history as given. It is. Uh, need to make judgments about the veracity of the patient. Need to make judgments about whether the patient can't relate some important information because they don't understand the importance of it. But I wanted to differentiate between the fact that a surgeon needs to make objective judgments about the disease with which the surgeon is presented and how to deal with it, and to avoid any judgments about the moral character of the patient. The issue is the illness, and... Leave the other to the clergyman and to the good sisters and to the family to deal with.
0: Yeah, I know that was one thing that you and I have talked a lot about, which is meeting people where they're at, understanding that what they're coming with may not be, they've got an illness, they've got something that needs to be addressed. And the other pieces of that, it's not our place to do the judging.
1: That's exactly right. Uh, One of the most difficult areas in that regard is the patient who won't disclose something very important, even though it relates very much to the illness with which the patient presents. A good example would be opioid use disorder, which is widespread right now in our society. Uh, Fortunately, modern laboratory medicine can sort some of that out. But again, you find yourself judging the accuracy of the information you're given on which you have to make clinical decisions in the reality of the situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I know you and I have talked about is being respectful of all the type. There's a lot of people who are Christian out there. There's a lot of people who aren't Christians out there. And just being very open and very aware of where people are coming from, even in their spiritual belief systems and how to work with that. And you representing or trying to be Jesus to people and also being aware that you have to meet people where they're at.
1: You're so right. In a word, every human being in this world is one of God's children. Every one of us is a child of God. It doesn't make any difference what color our skin is or what color our eyes are. We're all God's children. Uh, In the practice of the healing arts, one needs to keep that very much in mind. Common sense would tell us that some patients are kind, loving, and easy to care for. Some patients are troubled and they're not easy to care for. You simply have to realize that your job is to help them. I think also very relevant is the fact that I happen to be Catholic, but in the final analysis, if my patient is Jewish and needs a rabbi, they need the rabbi. If it happens to be a Protestant patient who needs their pastor, they need their pastor. If it's a Native American a person who really is not Christian, but very much needs uh the influence of the bundles, as they call them, the influence of their elders. We want to make that as avail- as available as possible. I mentioned earlier that at our hospital in Great Falls Now, which is Benefis Health System, um, that we have gone out of our way, and we are considered one of the best models in the country for that type of care for the indigenous populations.
0: Dad, one thing that always influenced me growing up is how you really did do your best, I'm going to say, because we all do our best, but um, to really always remind us that when people see you, you want them to see Christ in you. This means being a part of community. It means giving back. You are one of the most generous people I have ever met in my life. I mean, I met a lot of people. You are, and I'm not just saying that because you're my dad, you truly are. And most of the time, people don't even know it. You're the person who doesn't need all the accolades, all the – you just do it because you do it. And I've seen you more than once sneak some do re into someone's pocket or, you know, a little free football ticket here and there. I've seen it. You may not know that your daughter sees these things. But some of my favorite times are, you know, going to do the community cleanup. I knew that you had worked, you know, sometimes 20 hours, four hours of sleep. But we packed up the Willie's Jeep and we went to help with community cleanup. And we got done, and you turned around and had to go back in and see your patients, because you were in a private practice that was a lot different than it is now. And that always stuck out to me, that you would always say, you know, try to be the eyes, the ears, the hands, the heart of Jesus, because people will remember how you treat them. And I always remember you saying that to us growing up.
1: Well, thank you. The truth of the matter is, it's not just your father. But your grandfather and my uncle and my grandfather, I've learned from them. And I've learned that we are physicians and our job is to care for people and help them. Um, This is very true. I couldn't do anything in the practice of medicine unless God had given me a brain capable to do it and do it well. I couldn't even so much as make an incision unless God gave me good hands, good fingers, good eyes, the things I needed to practice surgery. So I give thanks to the good Lord for those things, believe me. It's all about giving.
0: It really is, on so many levels. Of course of
1: course, we earn our living this way, but that's not the point. And, um, we have food on the table because we do our daily chores in the practice of medicine. But uh, the motivation, the the motivation at 3 o'clock in the morning when you've only had an hour of sleep and there's a disaster in the emergency room, you get up and you get going.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, or when your daughter has a cute little purple puppy dog that has an injury and dad has to do surgery on the... (laughs) On the purple puppy dog. Did
1: we operate on a puppy dog? I, I think we operated think we on did my not, purple. I think we did operate on a puppy dog, I think, dog once.
0: I think that was my first exposure to being a surgeon, and I think that's when I realized I might have had a different call than being a general and vascular surgeon. Uh, my call might have been in a different realm of healing, but, but definitely, you know, there's that healing component. Obviously, you mentioned that you're 82, so you are clearly retired from practicing active uh, medicine. Do you miss it?
1: Well, I miss the patients and the people. Um, <clears throat> I'm retired from clinical practice. Uh, I am not really, I don't see well enough to practice surgery anymore. But I'm very much involved in medicine. <clears throat> uh, I have served for over 20 years on the board of directors for the Benefice Health System in Montana. In the year 2014, I was named Hospital Trustee of the Year for the entire state of Montana by the Montana Hospital Association. I also serve on the Board of Directors of the Indian Family Health Clinic in Great Falls. Uh, The Indian Family Health Clinic is not the same as a hospital on a reservation, which is all part of the Indian Health Service. Uh, The Indian Family Health Clinic is what is called a Federally Qualified Health Center, or FQHC for short. They're funded differently, but the intent is exactly the same, to provide care for the most part for the indigenous populations within our community, The term used is urban Indian. I don't care for that term, but that's what you see in the newspaper. These are ways that I can give back and and draw upon my experience. It's another opportunity to be of service to the community and to give back.
0: Absolutely. We often
1: use the term give back.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I know that you're very active in between church, the Hibernians, like several different ways that you're able to uh, be able to give back. Also, even in the church, in the church lifestyle as well. Dad, what advice would you give to someone? What advice would you give to someone who's thinking about going into medicine or serving people through some sort of medical field?
1: Well, some people just know that's what they're going to do, and other people are thinking about it. Some seek uh, exposure. They might serve as an orderly in the hospital or serve uh, as a nurse's aide. We have a delightful young medical oncologist in our community. She started out as a nurse's aide at our hospital. She loved it. She went on to college, obtained her degree, went to medical school, became a young doctor, and went through residency training to be a hematologist and oncologist. That's a good example of somebody who developed a love for medicine while being exposed directly to it. Uh, And some are simply directed, I think, because they're enamored with the thought of being a physician and a caregiver. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And uh, I would encourage anybody who really wants to study medicine to think it through, be aware of the fact that the issue isn't prestige, the issue is service. The whole idea is that you want to care for your fellow human beings.
0: Yeah, amen, Dad. Amen. Dad, I want to thank you so much for coming on today and talking about medicine. It's I've I always learn something new every time I talk to you because mm. those little snippets like you with a bicycle with the wagon, with I can just <laughs> totally picture it. And I want to thank you for always being such an example of Jesus to us. You've always had the bright light.
1: Well, thank you from the daughter whom I love so much. It's been a privilege to be with you all today. I wish you all Godspeed and good health.
0: Thanks, Dad. We want to thank all of you for choosing to tune in today with my dad, Dr. Bill McGregor, Chief Sun Buffalo, so proudly named and so proudly earned um, for all his incredible work that he does. We want to thank Philip Elke for engineering today's program. We hope that you've learned something today. I know I have. We want to remind you to live, share, and lead with joy. This is Deb McGregor. Have a great day, everyone. Live joy.